Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Hello, lovers. I am so excited to be here with you today, sharing some beautiful and expansive wisdom. Before we get into the meat of this episode, I'd love to take this opportunity to share with you a couple of new incredible offerings, one of which is Turned On By Life. This is a self-paced online course to take you from wanting, wishing, and waiting to turned on by life itself. I love this course because it encourages the participants to explore different modalities, including pieces of spiritual intimacy, embodiment, mindset, and artistic expression to create your own tantric lifestyle. Creating a tantric lifestyle has been so key for me in building a life that I am truly obsessed with. Uh, you know, to me, it all starts with this energy. This energy that brought us into the world is the energy that touches every part of our life because it is innately who we are. So this course is all about harnessing this inner power for a pleasure filled life that feels so juicy. You're left overflowing with purposeful desire. So this opportunity can be found at www.talktantratome.com and then click on the work with me tab. And another offering that can be found at the same exact place is the business magnetism mentorship. This mentorship is for you if you are desiring to step into purpose with the full confidence and assuredness of your gifts. We need your gifts. We need your light. We need as many expansive and awakened souls as possible to step into leadership, to create evidence of new earth in their lives, relationships, and businesses. So if you have a new or slow growing business or desire to start a business in the healing or expansive modalities, and you have this big vision, but are not really sure where to start, or if it's even possible, or just finding yourself you know, working against yourself, maybe you have imposter syndrome or an inner critic, I am here to help you get out of your own way. So for more information on that opportunity, again, www.talktantratome.com slash work with me. If you are new here, it is so great to have you. And if you are a loyal listener, welcome back and would love to hear your thoughts in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective, and your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. If you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I'm here with Sophia LePage. She is a feminine embodiment leadership coach, and we are going to be doing a little collaboration. She also has a beautiful podcast, so depending on where you're listening, um, we'll, we'll give you all the details on where to find us and how to get involved with each of us, but um, I guess we should just jump right into who we are and how we found each other. So we met at a women's circle, a sexy women's circle. Mm -hmm. We each only knew like one person going into it. So that was unexpected. I thought everyone knew everyone else. You did too, right? And we're both new to Austin as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting actually going into that space because of having that feeling of everybody else knows someone and I remember having a little bit of nervousness coming up of well how am I going to are they going to want to even talk to me because Mm -hmm. they'll just have all their little you know in jokes and be in their little clique and and it was that feeling of the first day (laughs) of school but 
the beautiful thing about that for me in that moment was the choice of okay well I hear that that little girl inside of me that's like who will like me and then just deciding that I was going to go in and be me and and open my heart and be received and of course I went into that space I met you I met some other amazing women and I even I even presenced that with a lot of the women there and just doing that really helped me to kind of be like to be able to drop some of the the armoring that could build up in that space yeah absolutely I deeply resonate with that I remember when Tarani who's also been on this podcast what <laughs> invited me and she was the only one that I knew and I remember when she invited me I was so excited because I felt like I was being invited to like the cool girl sleepover <laughs> Like I've got to do this right. I've got to like look good. And that day I went to Hippie Hollow in Austin, which is like outdoor pool area. And I got um, bit by a, a bug and it gave me this really intense um, uh, allergic reaction. And I was getting ready for the event and it, the swelling had started to go down. But before I was so stressed that I was going to show up and be like all red and blotchy. And I wanted to just show up and be like my best self. So it was definitely this moment of like vulnerability for me as well. And then going into that space and doing what I do and feeling like all of these women are so light and white and goddessy and all of that and then feeling like I'm a little bit in um, embodying the fullness and the darkness and being a little bit worried of like what are these are these women going to judge me for who I am and how I interact with this medicine even though I had no reason to believe that it was just in my DNA it was in my conditioning it was in my youth growing up where we like called the girl that wore the miniskirt a slut you know So going into this space, being a little bit like, ooh, am I going to be accepted for my edginess? And then, of course, you know, everyone there is also the same and like getting naked and they're, you know, erotic dancers, strippers. And it's like, wow, this is so beautiful to celebrate all of all of ourselves together as well. Yeah, I think that there's something really beautiful that happens when women gather together and erotically dance together yes and twerk specifically twerking I feel like just has it's one it's super grounding but also what I feel like it does is it releases it it's deprogramming deconditioning the the shame and the judgment and the competition the sisterhood wounding yeah like literally through twerking (laughs) because because it's when we come into that space together you know there's so many ideas around um judgments around women and sexuality that we've grown up with and being the slut or being and and the thing of also if you're as you're growing up and maybe you all can relate to this or some of you can relate to this of the idea that being an overtly sexual woman or being a woman in her sexual power in any kind of way automatically means that you can't have female friends because Mm -hmm. you are now competition yes so I feel like being able to go into that space of sisterhood to reveal, like to really show our sexual integration, you know, mm-hmm. and to really own like that we are erotic beings and we have beautiful sexual energy and that we can dance in this way. And it's not, doesn't even need to be sexual, but it's just like the showing of that feminine power yeah. and then how that also is on an unconscious level, deprogramming and deconditioning that, that sisterhood wounding. Yeah, absolutely. Twerking is medicine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> is that the, is that the, is that the title of this episode? Um, yeah, I love that. I really love that. And I think that we've both, we've obviously connected and had beautiful conversations about our own journey in both first, you know, accepting all the parts of ourselves and letting go of this desire to be good and to be perfect and to behave and all of these things. And it's been challenging. I mean, for myself, I felt that I wasn't worthy of love or, you know, a partnership or, you know, success or money if I was going to be like in my fullness, you know? And yeah, why don't we tell a little bit about our backgrounds and how we got where we are? Oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah. 
Persephone goes into the underworld. Mm-hmm. Let's hear. Okay, so, so when actually when I shared this story, my origin story with Leola, she was like, "Wow, you're like Persephone going into the underworld." I was like, "Yes, I love that." So for me, growing up, I was the the first child. So we, and I don't think that that necessarily means that you're a perfectionist, but in my case, extreme perfectionist, a lot of anxiety, um, definitely a people pleaser. I really wanted to be good. I really wanted to have my my parents say, you're such a good girl, or my teachers say, you're such a good student, or my friends say, you're such a good friend. And my whole identity was wrapped up in, in the value that I could provide for others by being yeah. who they, who I perceived they wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. So I never really, I, I would... I didn't really speak up. If I thought something different, I kept it to myself. If I was asked for an opinion, I would say, oh, I'm chill. What do you want? Yeah. Um, If, or if they really wanted to know what I thought, I would get so locked up in my expression because I'd be cycling through what are the words that I need to say right now to, to not upset someone, to not piss them off, Mm -hmm. to not push them away, to not lose their love. So you can imagine like being like that is creates a lot of anxiety and a lot of inherent and I feel like past life and genealogical karma around who I am is not enough. Yeah. And and inherently actually not good. So I was trying so hard to be the good girl because inherently I felt like that I was actually broken. Yeah. And at some point, like in my um, in my early thirties or late, very late twenties, early around thirty, I was in a marriage. I felt totally trapped. I felt totally stagnant. I felt that I had spent my whole life up until then living for everybody else, playing by all the rules, and I was just like, I, I was just so done with it. And, but I was also too scared to take proactive action. Mm-hmm. I was too scared to say, hey, like this isn't working for me. Yeah. So what happened was, which I think is what happens when we don't take proactive action, is like if we're not going to be in the driving seat, then the universe, life, our soul is going to create something for us yeah. that's going to cause us to kind of have to push out of that and for me that was having an affair or actually a string of affairs blowing up my marriage blowing up my good girl reputation yeah and and also that not only did that leave a trail of destruction which then I had to do so much work in later years on Mm -hmm. forgiving myself you know, asking my ex-partner, my ex-husband for like his forgiveness also and doing that healing work and repair work and also the work on myself of like, how did I get to this place? Yeah. But it also had me do the work to look at where I was so judgmental Mm -hmm. because that good girl in me that I was trying to be also judged everybody else who she didn't think was a good girl. Mm-hmm. and had a lot of I would never do x y or z so it was also so humbling to be like wait a second I did this I did this thing that is not a healthy thing that is not a loving thing that is mm-hmm. actually a very hurtful destructive thing and yet I do not believe that I am a bad person and if that is true about me then maybe that's true about others too. Yeah. So if anything, I feel like that was the greatest gift for me from that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And definitely really identify with this idea of like, we do our best until we know better and then we do better. It wasn't, you were trying to make sense of a world that is so suffocating for the feminine and it's like putting like shaking up a bottle and it's like at some point it's going to explode and it's going to be messy and it's you know gonna turn into affairs or like you know decisions that don't really align with our highest truth but we learn from it and then it becomes our message and our medicine and that's really beautiful and definitely where 
I see that you're at now and it's super inspiring. Yeah. And I think that I want to hear, I want you to share also about your story, because I think that when we met, like there was, I just feel like we had like a little look, like we were like, we're sisters. (laughs) Yeah. It's just that knowing of like. (laughs) We've been in the underworld together. get down. I see you, Persephone. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so similar, similar feeling of the conditioning around being perfect. And I really liked that. Like I liked the attention that I got from being good. And, And I honestly put more pressure on myself than my parents did to, you know, get straight A's and be involved in school. And it was like a competition almost with myself and you know with everyone else but what was happening for me is that I would find ways to um explore my darkness uh and I don't mean darkness is a bad thing I Mm -hmm. think that it's actually a really beautiful like place where the you know the darkness of the the caterpillar in the cocoon or the baby in the womb or the seed in the ground but unfortunately if it feels wrong the entire time you're there, it can lead to a lot of confusion and mistakes. And that's really what happened to me is that I was getting straight A's, I was working the job and and doing all the things, but I would, you know, sneak out to meet boys. And um, that's how my first sexual assault happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I couldn't tell anyone because I was sneaking out, you know? <laughs> so it was just the double bad. And that's also how I... Um, I didn't, I didn't lose my virginity in that sexual assault, but I also lost my virginity to a boy that I snuck out to see and like, wasn't my boyfriend and didn't really care about me. And it was kind of like a string of experiences like that, that marred my early sexual experiences and history. And it wasn't until I started to incorporate practices of Tantra and sacred sexuality that I, I began finding the wholeness in that and seeing um, spirituality and sexuality as one in the same in many ways. Uh, you know, it started with working with, you know, yoga and meditation and all of those practices that are amazing and beautiful. But to me, they often are not truly holistic because they don't want to touch sexuality because it's so taboo. And so I, I noticed I could only go so far and that's where I stepped into the sacred sexuality space and started healing the relationship with my body and doing a lot of the inner work and inner child work. And that brought me you know, to where I am today, which is working professionally in this space of the sacred intimacy mentor and muse. Mm, yeah. I love that you say that you brought, it was like bringing in the sexuality that really shifted things for you. And I felt that too, because yeah. at one point I was a Kundalini yoga teacher. So I was, and I went all the way, like I was white turban, all in white. And, and that lineage is very beautiful in many ways, but it also has this element of talking talking about sexual energy, but talking around sexuality. Mm -hmm. So it's still trying to kind of say that there's something inherently wrong with being a sexual being and that the goal is to purify and, and sort of transcend and, and go up into the higher chakras, which is also beautiful. And that's an important part of the journey, but without the descent into the sexuality, into the body, which is like the feminine embodiment also, right? Yeah. And the sacred sexuality. It's like you can't you can't bring the learnings into form. Yeah. So it's such an important part of like taking the inspired action on the the healing work that you do, on the opening work that you do, is like unifying those two, the the higher and the lower, right? The divine and the sexual, recognizing yeah. that they're actually the same. They're they're not the same, but they're of the same frequency. Mm-hmm. Right. They're both divine in different ways. Exactly. Different expressions of divine is probably the best way to put it, I feel. And um And that's where, like, I see in my journey, I see in what you've shared of your journey, and I see with women that I work with and women in this space, is, like, that's when the power really starts to blossom. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that deep connection to the womb. It's the connection to the yoni. It's the connection to the intuition. It's the connection to, like, desire. It's the connection to soul. Yeah. And it's like the 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 ability to to kind of like 
be self-directed. Yeah. Which really, truly creates that change. Yeah, absolutely. We forget that a lot of these kundalini practices and other yogic practices that tend to be a little bit more like purist in the way that they approach sexuality, these were also all deeply affected by patriarchy and capitalism. So like, if you go back to like the root of them, many of them are actually much more integrative Mm -hmm. in the way that they approach, you know, their bodies and sexuality. And it's not that it's all about sex, but it's like, this is a holistic thing. And this is the energy that brought you into the world. So let's honor that and, and see the way that we can, can use that energy. I did a training in Ecuador that was very much like, white tantra yoga and it was funny because they like it was a whole month and they didn't want you to have sex with anyone and you couldn't be like naked on the property and like they were like really like they one of the girls was wearing like a normal yoga outfit like you would see anyone wearing something like this and she was told that her outfit was too sexy for class and it was just mind-boggling to me that and, and the reason that they gave was We don't need to be distracted from your studies. And I totally get it. But to me, that's just bypassing. Like, it's not like it's just going directly into your shadow and it's going to it's going to show up somewhere else. Whereas there's another opportunity that says, hey, you might feel attracted to someone. Here's how to do it in a way that's going to be super intentional and super liberating and honoring the fullness of who you are and uh, I love that we're bringing that piece in too, because I've gotten so much benefit. I, I, I learned so much at the training and I've gotten so much from Kundalini and there's shadow there. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it sort of goes back to that good girl piece and what you were bringing to the table. And also I was talking about it too, of like the masks that we wear, Yeah, you know, of like, oh, this, that it's not who I am is not acceptable. So if I want to do something else, I have to sneak around and do it. Mm. And it does create that, that, um, I feel like what it does is it fragments us. So it's, it, it continues to reinforce the idea that there is a part of us that's shameful that needs to be hidden away Mm -hmm. and that that is deeply linked to desire, right? So then desire becomes shameful. Whereas Mm -hmm. desire when, when it's integrated is like one of the most powerful ways in which our soul speaks to us. So if we're disconnected from desire, we're also disconnected from how we get to move forward in our life, be on our highest timeline, live our power, like create what we're here to create. And I have like full chills right now. (laughs) Powerful shit. You know, and so, and I think that it's, I feel like it's a societal program that's, that's specifically there to keep us fragmented. Agreed. And so actually doing that work to to kind of release that good girl, release the shame and integrate those parts back in is what really then allows us to truly decide for ourselves what we're doing in our lives and to actually create the true intimacy with others because we're no longer two people with masks on trying to connect but afraid to connect. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful pieces here. Um I wanted to go into this piece on like desire and mm-hmm. how like we have different desires too. And like, there's no right or wrong place with that. And it's really about just coming into like, what is your authentic truth? And there is this element of we've been conditioned to believe like, this is what you desire because this is the American dream. And this is where the sauce is. And you have to have the family and the success and all of these things to be happy. And while that's true for a lot of people, it's also a form to me of disempowerment of almost of enslavement. Let's make people afraid of their desire. Let's make them afraid of the most powerful energy in their bodies because they're easier to control right and let's let's condition them so deeply that they judge other people and stigmatize others who are connected to this energy uh so that you know it's like it's like the the witch burnings let's put her on the pillar let's make her bad and wrong so that everyone else is afraid to also embody this energy and i feel that that's another reason why we can go into these women's circles or any sort of social setting and feel this sense of like crunchiness and discomfort because we're working with that that in our dna yeah as well yeah and it's and part of the healing of that 
is the recognition of the crunchiness and, and doing it anyway. Yeah. You know, like it's like the more that you let the crunchiness stop you, the more you reinforce the fear around it. Because mm-hmm. fear, once you have evidence of the opposite, it's much easier to kind of anchor into, oh, wait, and get curious about, wait, was that actually real or was that just a fear? And so for us, like both going into that moment, you know, and, and like feeling that crunchiness and one, not making ourselves wrong for it, because I could also see a world where an older version of me would have thought, oh, you're a feminine embodiment and leadership coach. Like you're (laughs) supposed to be above all of this, like what's wrong with you and just made it way worse instead of going, Oh, I see you, little girl that wants to be loved. You're so cute. Like, oh, and then you're tender heart. And, you know, it's okay. I've got you. Like, we're going to yeah. do this and it's going to be beautiful. Just you wait, you see. Yeah. And that just doing, like, being able to parent ourselves in that way is just such a, a gift. And it's something that, it's a skill that we learn by being uncomfortable, by going into the crunchy spaces for sure all of your emotions or feelings are there for you they're there telling you something so when you have a fear depending on what it is in this circumstance it's saying this is important to me you know and I want this connection and I want I want people to see me and appreciate me and that's like a totally authentic desire and welcoming that in and creating space for it to happen is you know a beautiful practice as well yeah, it really is. Yeah. So why don't we move into like, what can we do to reclaim this mm-hmm. embodiment and like all of our femininity, like what practices do you feel besides twerking? <laughs> <laughs> do you need anything? Else? <laughs> no. um, okay. So for me, anything that brings you into the body and out of the mind yeah. is really important. Um, and actually now that I just completed this immersion, I feel like NLP is like a huge thing of repatterning the, the belief systems, like releasing the negative emotions, releasing the limiting beliefs or the limiting decisions. Because I think that the more we can integrate those parts of ourselves back into the whole, the less that that becomes the programming that we're running. And I feel like just getting curious about like, is this real? Mm hmm. And what if it wasn't? Yeah. And if it wasn't, what would feel better to believe? And if something else felt better, what what, what action would you take if you believed that? Yeah. And kind of like reverse engineering it. And also just like screaming into pillows. Yes. <laughs> you know, doing some like, I don't know, some primal work, like letting yeah. yourself be messy. Yeah. It's tough. I've struggled with that a lot. And it's a big theme of my moment right now because, you know, we're told as kids, like, don't cry. You know, you're being dramatic. Go to your room. You know, the whole thing. And so our emotions are made to be wrong and bad. So reclaiming that has been such a journey. Like, it's that's the medicine of my moment is how can I show people even more of my messiness because it's also deeply relatable and it it brings people closer that vulnerability I've recognized and especially with my sisters and like feeling that sense of like am I going to be judged for this messy and I feel just so grateful for the women including you that are in my life now that are like what's happening with your like weird man drama and like you know (laughs) daddy issues and like all the and being having a safe space to to be like yeah like I'm a professional in this space and I'm healing at the same time you know which is deeply empowering yeah I feel like it's like um do you are you much into astrology yeah a bit I mean it's a it's a I consider it like a tool not a rule Mm -hmm. but yeah, I like it. Well, I love looking at Chiron. So if anyone okay. is interested in looking at Chiron, so Chiron's the w- wounded healer. So if you look at where Chiron <sighs> is in your chart, it shows you like what, and what I love about it is it's like, it's like your mess becomes your magic is basically the message of, of Chiron. Okay. So it's like what your, what your biggest struggle in life is and the greatest gift once you yeah. integrate that. Yeah. So I think that this is why also it's like what we end up teaching is the stuff that we have moved through in our lives, which is the embodiment of the 
you know, mm-hmm. the lived experience, like for you, your lived experience has created you into the wise woman that you are today and yeah. into the powerhouse who that has such beautiful codes to transmit, right? Yeah. And it's also the continued work of refining mm-hmm. because it's not like, okay, we get to this point and now it's like we've ascended and nothing else is ever going to happen in yeah. our lives. Like, you know, I, I, something they say in NLP is as soon as you set a goal, the obstacles get created Yes, because it's like those obstacles are the challenges through which you grow, rise, learn, and evolve. Absolutely. I love that. So when I do sex magic or a lot of people, when they do manifestation work of any kind, they just call in the thing that they want. And then what happens is not what they want everything. It's the things that need to happen so that you can release what's getting in the way. The thing is right there that you want, but you've got to go through the initiation and the, you know, releasing and so when I do my sex magic I actually ask to be shown the blocks Mm -hmm. so then I'm expecting it because if you manifest like I want the dream partner and then the next relationship you get into you're like this is it this is the dream partner when in reality it turns into a you know mess and you're like I didn't get the thing the universe isn't working and it's and instead you get to if if you're expecting the initiation if you're expecting the obstacle then when that happens you're like oh I get it thank you thank you for showing me this I've had this in my own sort of recent experience as I'm getting ready to call in a primary partner my magic right now has been show me what is getting in the way from me receiving my deepest love and of course the next week all of my fatherhood wound stuff comes up and it's challenging and it hurts and I'm like I'm doing this is happening again you know but I'm deeply grateful because I know that that was keeping me from actually receiving the man not the man that's going to be my daddy again or father you know wound reincarnated I love that I I always say um like I've even said this to Gabriel, my husband, at certain points when we we had like some challenges come up, like inside of inside of our marriage, and I was like, we either work on them here or we leave and we work on them with someone else. Yeah, like you do not. What I have learned through my life and my relationships is you never close the karmic loop by leaving the relationship like it doesn't happen you have to learn the lesson inside of the relationship the only caveat to that is if you're in an abusive relationship right yeah like if it's abusive get out and Mm -hmm. do and do some work around why you're attracting that but as long as there is not abuse there there it's always of benefit for you to stay until you've extracted the lesson and Mm -hmm. then you go because it and then if you need to go you go and often what people find is once they've learned the lesson closed the loop they don't actually need to leave the relationship because it wasn't really about the relationship in the first place so it's like same same problem different outfit otherwise (laughs) absolutely yeah I love this Mm. and so we obviously have like different ways of being and different relating styles and it's something that I I feel that and probably for you as well if um if I would how do I say this as a child I might have you know been like oh you're different from me and I don't like your relating style it doesn't resonate with mine so we can't be friends or I don't like your work it doesn't resonate with me we can't be friends um this inability to uh detach from the identity if that makes sense and so we we kind of discussed going into this a bit and I'd love to start there like what what are where are you at right now with your relationship and how do you feel about it so for me what I've discovered in my life is that monogamy is really what I desire and and the reason for that for me is that I feel like this is the way for me to go to the deepest dive yeah like to go to the absolute depths and my desire in relating is to take is is around like how do we keep it fresh and new and exciting and juicy and sparky and and delicious within our container Uh without anything else coming in which poses challenges just like any type of relating style will Uh pose its own unique challenges and that's the challenge 
of a monogamous container is how do you keep it fresh? Yeah. And so for me, what feels so exciting inside of that is how do I continue to see my husband as a new man all the time and not go, oh, I already know everything about you. Yeah. Already know what you're going to say here or this is boring, right? Because I already know everything. It's like, how do I continue to discover new things that has us feel like we're in these new containers within this one container? Yeah. So that that for me has felt like the most um, nourishing and exciting for me and there's definitely a time in my life where I was extremely judgmental Uh of other types of containers right where I was like oh that's just like that's just trauma that's just shadow that's just this and would have probably pushed away somebody who for instance like you who who has a different desire yeah because it would have felt threatening to my belief system Mm -hmm. and if you're not really anchored in your truth if somebody else is showing a different way of being then it's like it rocks your whole worldview and there's a desire to push it away because it makes you uncomfortable whereas now I've come to a place where I feel like I can hold like we can have different desires like we can have different lives in some ways and I also trust that there's a richness in your experience that can like support me and and there's probably a richness in my experience that can support you yeah so that's my container but now let's hear about (laughs) your container (laughs) desires um okay I definitely want to go into that I have a question though first Mm -hmm. so do you think that that was like part of what played into your um your affairs and things as well was like the pushing away of the different desire. Like I think what was happening more so there was I wasn't, I didn't have personal responsibility. Mm. So I didn't know how to um, voice what I want. I didn't, first of all, I didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. Then I didn't know how to express what I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. So part of me having an affairs was me trying to escape the 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 stagnation of the situation by going to be with somebody else yeah and I thought oh the the problem is them it's not me so if I'm with someone else the problem's gonna go away yeah and and eventually what I realized after doing that multiple times in different ways and not always through affairs but in different relationships was like wait a second I'm the common denominator here. (laughs) Like uh, maybe I might want to look at my stuff. And then once I looked at that, then I no longer felt the desire to go outside of the marriage. And I also think that having been in an experience where there was so much fallout from exploring, right, in other ways, in a a very unconscious way, Mm -hmm. like which is very different from like, you know, being monogamous or, or, you know, in a consenting more open situation. But I think that the, the recognition of like, there's a line and once you cross it, it can, the waters can become very muddied. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I don't think I want to invite that sort of challenge I'd prefer to invite a different kind of challenge yeah you pick your problems (laughs) right yeah every relating (laughs) to has its issues for sure and I love I love that you touched on this piece of like getting in touch with your own truth and recognizing that back then there was like an inauthentic it wasn't like the the monogamy was the issue it was just that you weren't in your truest expression and then you got to find that and discover that and that's a big part of my journey as well is you know and and also just such a big theme of this conversation is like what is your desire what feels the most expansive for you and there's so much depth in monogamy and I love hearing you talk about your relationship and the story and it's so sweet and I feel so deeply in celebration of it I think one of the first things that I commented on about you was your ring I was like it's so gorgeous (laughs) And it's beautiful because I can look at pieces of your relationship and say, ooh, I'm going to take that piece and add that to my manifestation board and I'm going to leave that piece there. Good for her, not for me. And I love that as a piece of this, you know, conversation as well. Um, So for me, I grew up in an environment where monogamy was very much like the only acceptable, you know, 
option. And meanwhile, my parents divorced. My mom's had four, you know, um, marriages. I, you know, found my dad's porn growing up. So like, I knew that there was just something like not quite authentic about um, monogamy for everyone. Mm-hmm. And but I, I held myself to that standard and I went through the relationships where uh, it just wasn't I didn't feel really free. I didn't feel free to be my full self. I felt like I was um, suppressing a part of myself. And I did try at actually quite a young age. I read Sex at Dawn and Ethical Slut at like 19 or 20. So I was like, I was figuring it out. But um, there's not a lot of evidence. And especially at that time and where I was, there wasn't a lot of evidence for me of people doing it well uh, and being able to move through the challenges well and I mean, that didn't just go for the open relationships that I saw at the time. It was also all of the other relationships. Every, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think it's been up until the past couple of years that I've seen relationships that I actually feel are something that I would aspire to have. And some of them are monogamous and some of them are not. But I feel that the people in those containers are actually, uh, you know, living in the medicine of using the relationship as an opportunity to grow individually and build something as a partnership. So my desire now is to be in a partnership where I feel more free in it than on my own. So having the freedom to go really deep with someone and have, you know, some of the experiences that you're having and to play and to like commit and to make life decisions together and have that longing saturated while also having the freedom to honor any desire or authentic connection that I feel is there for me. So I'm not the type of person that wants like a super open relationship where I'm on the dating apps and like, you know, trying to meet new people all the time. But if I were to come across someone at, you know, a Tantra training or while I was traveling and I'm just like feeling so magnetically drawn to them that I feel like they have medicine for me, whether it's an emotional conversation, because a lot of people in monogamous relationships like won't even Mm. they'll immediately close themselves from having a connection with the opposite sex because they're afraid of what might happen if they (laughs) open to that. So it could just be an emotionally intimate connection, but it could also be sexually intimate or physically intimate and not sexual. And there might be medicine in that that's going to help me understand myself better. Um, and, and ideally also feed the primary partnership. And I think that if something's feeding me on a solo level, it's by, by, um, like, connection, it's going to also feed the primary partnership. Mm-hmm. And having a partner that trusts that that's the case so that could show up in many different ways. It could show up as monogamish, so mostly monogamous and, you know, occasionally finding people that are really resonant. Um, right now, I feel like I'm in a space of um, higher, hierarchical polyamory. So what that looks like is you have a primary partner and that's probably someone that you're going to be spending most of your time with. Um, this is someone that, you know, I would desire to potentially have children with, to buy a house with, you know, make those like committed decisions that I wouldn't make with just like any regular partner, but I still have the opportunity to have relationships of depth with, you know, other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at so curious about some of the pieces about this and I'm sure like anyone you know my audience are probably curious or people and maybe in your audience yeah too. As well I haven't talked about this a ton yet um so what's your relationship with jealousy and how do you deal with the triggers do triggers come up for you and if they do how do you deal with them yeah such a good question they for sure come up They for sure come up. You know, I try to identify the difference between jealousy and envy as well. Mm. To me, envy is this piece of like, I want what they have. Like, I want some of that too. And it's not, whereas jealousy is a little bit more like they shouldn't have that. I should have it. So there's also like a high level of compersion that's necessary for this sort of relating style. So compersion is saying, 
you are having a yummy experience. I'm getting pleasure from watching you in that yummy experience, which is challenging. And to me, what I found is I need to feel really safe and secure and to know that um, and to trust that this other interaction is not going to affect my relationship with the person. So I'm kind of talking about a situation where, and I'm sure this is what you were insinuating, a partner is exploring intimacy with someone else. So the first piece is knowing that I'm worthy of coming back to. I'm amazing. I'm juicy. Like there's no way that they're not going to want to come back to me because I'm so full of my self love. And if they, if, if that's not the case, if they don't want to come back to me, then it's probably just not the right fit anyways, Mm. you know? Um, and if I have an issue with believing that I'm not worthy of coming back to, then it's a me thing that I get to get clear on and maybe take an exhale and a break from that experience to come back to my wholeness. So I feel like that's, you know, the first piece. And then it's moving into the how can I have compersion for this experience? And also like, what do I need to feel safe? So for me right now, I have a couple of lovers. I don't have a primary partner, but even with my lovers, one of the things that I like to instill is when am I going to see you next? I don't want to feel like unsure of our connection. I want to feel like I know that we have this time set aside. Quality time is my love language. So prioritizing things like that to create the safety of the container. Or I might say, you know, hey, like, my need, if we're going to have intimacy is my need is the next day you check in on me. Mm. So it's being able to get the tools to communicate, like, what do you need to feel as safe and grounded as possible so that the trigger is something that you get to move through and recognize what wounded part of you is reacting. Um, and then you also get to identify, are my partners willing and able to meet the needs that I have and are they able to have the tough conversations? So, yeah, I love that. You know, it's so interesting because my, um, husband actually, his first marriage was a polyamorous marriage. Wow. So, um, one thing that I absolutely love in the poly world is the level of communication, like what you're talking about there, about how you really tune in first of all with yourself of what do I need you know what what are the conditions that are going to make this feel really good and expansive and juicy and safe for me yeah and then communicating that and I think a lot of times in monogamous relationships the level of communication is not there because there's so much that's assumed Mm -hmm. of like oh well if you're monogamous then you know you just go into the container and you're just there together and there's nothing to talk about but actually like if you don't talk about things like I discovered in my first marriage I believe that's why a lot of monogamous containers actually don't work because the level of communication the the idea that wait there's we could even within a monogamous container we can create the conditions of it yeah and like what do I need to feel safe, loved, secure, mm-hmm. expanded, free within this container. What do you need? Yeah. How do we how do we meet those needs ourselves and how do we also work together on that? Mm-hmm. So something that I love that he brought into our relationship was this high level of communication. Yeah. And it was super confronting for me at first because I yeah. never had that in a relationship. And so we talked a lot in the beginning about triggers and we even explored a little bit, never uh, actually physically, but we explored the ideas of what would it look like if we were to open our relationship in some kind mm-hmm. of way and would that would that be aligned for us and what, what might that bring up? And so we did a lot of this work around is – what is the container that's the right container for us? Yeah. And and also on like really getting clear on each other's needs and desires. And I believe that's why we have such a strong relationship. And I think anyone in a monogamous c- container can learn a lot from someone in a more monogamish or open or polyamorous or whatever other container where that level and bring in those skills around the, the high level of communication. Yeah, absolutely. These feelings of like trigger and uncertainty or even envy happen in monogamous relationships too. It could be the example of my partner wants to bring in a toy into the bedroom and I feel, you know, what does this bring up? And then you get to have the conversation of how do I feel still safe, you know, in this experience, or I want to try BDSM and this is like 
so scary for me. And it's, it's literally the same conversations of how do I feel safe in this? What is this bringing up for me? How do I trust myself here? Or even something as simple as like my partner got a job in, um, California and now they're moving there and I have to find the compersion to see the opportunity and decide what does this mean for our relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar and, and I agree. I think that a lot of monogamous relationships struggle because they there is the expectation that things are going to go a certain way and then people don't feel safe to acknowledge the desire that's coming up and that's where to me they often then try to find it elsewhere and it gets really messy when in reality you're not even giving the person the opportunity to hear your truth like you don't even like they're gonna if they're the right person they're gonna love you through it no matter what even if they say i can't meet that let's find something else let's find another solution you know Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love this so much. See, this is why it's like really important to, you know, to, to be open to other ways, other viewpoints, because you can learn so much through that. Yeah. I just love it. It's so great. Yeah. And I feel so grateful to be at a place within myself to be in celebration of everyone and and their different type of partnership. Mm. To me, the most expansive partnership is not one that is monogamy or polyamory or anything in between. It's one that is able to adapt and to grow through and to have the conversations on a regular basis and to create what is the most expansive for that partner. I feel that we are conditioned to look at our parents or to look at the relationships that look successful on the outside and to say, well, we just need to do that rather than can we have the conversations and create something that's totally unique and amazing for us. And to me, that's my desire because I feel that the next partnership I'm calling in, there's going to be a hierarchical poly leaning most likely, but I'm sure there's going to be moments where we want to close the container and be monogamous or, you know, expand the container. And, um, to me, the gift is how can we, yeah, how can we adapt? It feels like even though in the kind of container that you're talking about also, another part of it is, is the continual coming, like recognizing that what you have is precious and delicate. Yes. And I, I remember in my first marriage, like literally from the, after I got married, I'm like feet up, I'm done, job done. Like all I needed to do was get to the altar, say yes. And now everything's going to be fine from now on. <laughs> like, I just thought that was it. Like, That's what they make it look like. Right. I didn't realize that there was work to do after that. Yeah. Like, I just didn't know that. And so like, you know, three years later, And really our relationship was nine years in total. So by the time I had an affair and our marriage was over, we had nine years of never talking about anything. Yeah. And there was also this expectation that we were going to be the same people who we were when we were 21, when we were 30 or when we were 40 or when Mm -hmm. we were 50. And I remember when we were separating and he was like, you've changed. And it was just like, like, how dare you change? Yes. And now I'm like, I fucking hope so. You know what I mean? Like, I really hope that I am not the same person. Yes. I was even like, even just moving from from Bali to Austin. Right, we've been here, my husband and I, three weeks. I have changed mm-hmm. by moving here. There. The, the conditions of my life have changed, but also I have changed internally to match yeah. the new conditions of my life. Yeah. And I wanted to change and I was excited about change. And ever since in my life, I started to get excited about change internally and externally. I have like, my life has blossomed in a way that was beyond what I could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Whereas back when I was in that thing of like, oh, it's wrong to change. Like you should be the same person. If you change, if your desires change, if your needs change, if your beliefs change, if your thoughts change, if your feelings change, yeah. that there is something, there's something wrong. Yeah. Like we're supposed to be statically suspended in time and live our whole lives and not no experience and no anything outside of us is going to grow and evolve us. I'm just yeah. like, I, I'm like, no wonder I felt so stagnant Yeah, because I was actively resisting 
change. Mm-hmm. And change is like the the nature of the human condition. Indeed. So yeah, anyway, that <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. I think that this is such a, a deep piece connected to this. Like, um, like it's all deeply connected to the releasing the good girl and embodying the fullness of the the feminine queen rebel leader because we've been conditioned to really put ourselves in the boxes of masculinity, which means being consistent. And that means not changing your mind. Whereas the feminine is wild and chaotic and there gets to be balance between the both, like full permission to change your mind. But are you honoring what's happening inside of you? Are you communicating it to the people that it's going to affect? Like these are need to know sort of things. And so it's, it's not about being perfect and always, you know, being the same stagnant person it's welcoming the change and being authentic to it and using the masculine structure to express it and communicate it. Yes. In my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. And now we can just celebrate in each other's beautiful experiences, cheerlead it, respect each other and say, yeah, I'm inspired by you. I'm inspired by you. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> cool. So I feel like we're kind of, coming to a close do you have anything you want to add here i have a couple of bonus questions that i normally ask so we can do those if you want yeah let's do that so the first question is what awakens your arrows what turns you on what makes you feel erotically alive Mm, well music for me Uh, always music it just moves me so deeply and if i'm ever feeling a little stuck or a little like mm, I just don't feel like it. As yeah. soon as I put on some like deep bass, I'm I'm there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah you. What turns me on? I'm in a space honestly of just play. You know? And I think that this is goes back to the last question, full permission to like always change your mind. And right now it's being super playful and spontaneous and seeing what pleasure can awaken in any moment like where can I channel this in any singular moment Mm -hmm. and almost bringing in this sense of like innocence I think that's another beautiful theme to consider is that our eroticism is actually really innocent it's a beautiful part of our nature and we've made it be so wrong and so to me it's that like skinny dipping you know in the lake in the summer and eating popsicles and like I remember being a kid and being like, oh my God, this is like a blowjob with a popsicle. You know, like just like allowing that to happen and not feel like weird or guilty about like the fullness of what it means to be human. So to me, it's like reclaiming like my teen years mm-hmm. as an adult in this really playful, juicy way. Mm. That makes sense. I love it. It makes total sense. <laughs> Beautiful. And where can we find and support you? I can share mine as well. Yeah. So um, on Instagram, uh, I guess we'll put all the links below, right? Yeah, of course. So Instagram's a great place to come find me, send me a DM, let me know what you loved about this episode. I always love to chat. I'm always so curious about what really resonates um, for people. So I'll be guaranteed to reply and then also you can follow me on tiktok as well so my tiktok's like really expanding expanding right now so yeah find me there and um you can also always go to my website and there you'll find all the ways to work with me either one-to-one or join one of my programs or like take a self-study course that i have so there's lots or gets a little freebie there's like so many delicious options of how you can kind of like plug into the work that I'm doing and start to feel that juicy expansion within yourself. Amazing. What about you? How can people find you? How can people find me? Talk Tantra to me. TalkTantraToMe.com at TalkTantraToMe and also lovely freebies and other ways to connect. Tons of episodes of the podcast. Um, one-to-one containers events all the things super fun cool well thank you again for being here um this has been such a juicy collaboration and just like i feel like the beginning of something really beautiful i agree yeah thank you thank you so much and i'm i love that we're doing this dual episode so it's (laughs) going to be on both our podcasts yeah it really is the ultimate collaboration it is indeed (laughs) and thank you to the listener for tuning in and for opening yourself up to the idea of wildness and femininity and sacred sexuality 
Um, leave a review on both of our podcasts and we'll see you next week. Ta-ta.